Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 529. And I'm joined today by the wonderful Josh Pugh. I'm a big fan of Josh. He cracks me up on Instagram in particular. Hit him up direct about this and we line this conversation up. We had to reschedule a few times for very legit reasons. And it just made it all the more exciting to finally sit down and talk to this dude. He's real. <laughs> me, me and Gaz Khan would always talk about who's real in this industry. It's good to meet the real ones. And Josh Pugh is a real one, I'll tell you that for free. We talk about his upcoming tour. We talk about all the good stuff. You're going to enjoy it. It's a beautiful chat. As ever, we are brought to you by speechofelementrecords.com. That's where you can get my merch. There's loads of good summer and winter stuff there. Go and fill your, your, your boots. We're still in August We've got my Edinburgh Fringe show. It's the 10-year anniversary of my Edinburgh Fringe show. You can buy that over on my website. Um, it got five-star reviews and a few four, but four and five-star reviews across the board. It was sold out for 19 shows, and you can get that in the web store. Uh, you can also support by going to patreon.com forward slash scroobiuspip, and you can watch me just fooling about at twitch.tv forward slash scroobiuspipio. So come and get involved in all of that. I'm going to keep this intro quite brief because I want you to hear this man speak. I absolutely adore him. Oh, also, halfway through this episode, we're going to interject with a little advert, but it's me and Blind Boy. A lot of you will know I love Blind Boy. Blind Boy has been on the podcast numerous times. So about halfway through, me and Blind Boy are going to have a five-minute chat. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a really good chat. It's Blind Boy. You can't not enjoy Blind Boy, but I thought I'd give you a pre-warning. Me and Buddy discussed it and decided to put it in the middle rather than at the start because you, you, you'll you have adverts and whatever in general at the start. So I wanted to give you, I wanted to get you into the podcast. Um, as I said, I'm keeping it brief. But yeah, pre-warning on that. Uh, this is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 529 with Josh Pugh. There we go. We are recording. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. We had some technical issues there, but it allowed me time to explore all the different options and filters that um, <laughs> that Zoom can give you, and I've never looked at any of them before. I found one where like, I can turn myself into a little dog. Let's see if this works. Yeah, that's nice. Have you seen that before? Look at this. Look at this. Hang on. I mean, for the audio listeners... This is useless, but how's that? I'm a little... Wow, that's beautiful. I'm a, I'm a little yeah. animated dog. <laughs> During lockdown, I, I got a job again working remotely, and um, one of the girls was messing around with his background, and um, it, like a team meeting, and it turned out that the team meeting was quite... They were letting right. go, and he couldn't change it back. He was, he was still like... He still had some mad filter on whilst we were all getting oh, really no. bad moves. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> I love that. I've never looked into any. I've seen obviously stuff that went viral of someone like in court as a cat or something. But um, yeah, it's good yeah, fun. It's but great. I mean, there's loads I want to talk about. But first of all, you're up at the fringe, right? How's that going? I'm a- I'm actually back. I got back yesterday, so you're I just did a, did a short run. So I was there from the first until the eighth. Uh, Beautiful. With like, a, with like a work in progress show. So I just really used it to 
to get my show ready to tour, which I think that's what Edinburgh used to be about. That's what all the comedians used to use yeah. the fringe for. It's changed a bit now. It's kind of a bit of a, a, a beast now. But um, yeah, it was really good. I got, got loads out of it. I was in student digs, which was an experience as well. It was. How was that? I know a lot of people, uh, like comedians and people attending, end up in student digs for the fringe. It's just, oh, again, it's been talked to death but in recent years it's got so ridiculously expensive and so you know pushing out a lot of people it is expensive it's put it does push people out but i'm kind of the mindset once you've agreed to go and mm. you know what it is i kind of I, I kind of cap my moaning at that point i'm like you've said you're yeah, going accept Don't, it no yeah no more moaning but it was um yeah it was i was in like a room it was so hot the extractor fan wasn't working <laughs> It was it was fine, but there's like a smell to these places as well. You know, I think it's like the cleaning stuff. Yeah. I could imagine if you were a student, an international student up there for the first time, it could be quite a, a challenging period in your life, to be honest. I thought, you yeah. know, I'm a 34-year-old bloke with kids and, you know, lived a bit. And I found it tricky and I had a good time. So I could imagine if you were there doing a course you didn't love, Struggling yeah. to meet people. I imagine it's quite a, a bleak place. But it was it was all right, mate. It was a good location for where I was. I could just pop in and out. It was spot on in that regard. It's it's weird, those places that have distinct smells. Like, as soon as you mentioned that, like, I I went to uni for a year and, and dropped out. But instantly, I can smell the smell of, yeah. of, of student digs. I was walking past a pub the other day, and I don't go in pubs much. And I'd forgotten the really distinct smell of a pub. Yeah, and it's hard to place because it used to be. I would have thought it's cigarettes and all that kind of thing, but it smells the same as back in those days. Somehow, it's yeah, yeah. It's same with this digs. It's not a bad smell. It's not yeah. even. It's just a distinctive smell. That immediately when you smell you don't it, you, get anywhere else. No, it just transports <laughs> you straight there. Yeah, it's kind That's of weird. Yeah. Weird. So how was it the, the, doing a work in progress at the fringe, as you say? That's kind of not what the fringe is anymore. Yeah, so that it's... must have felt weird. I know I've seen a few people like John Kearns. I've caught doing work in progress up there, but so many people go there or present it at least as a finished show. And this is the big the fringes. You do your work in progress on the way to the fringe, not at the fringe as such. Yeah, that's kind of that's how I've always done it, really. And it feels like Edinburgh. That's your. That's your showcase where you present yourself to the industry in inverted commas, and you know that's you try and be seen that way. Whereas this time, and because the internet exists, and we'll probably come onto this, it's 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 more about touring now. So I use Edinburgh rather than Edinburgh being the focal point of the year. Yeah. So I feel feel dead weird actually coming back. I feel like I've it feels like the end of the school year, but it's not really. Yeah. But it used to be. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's all it's all a bit weird, but. The work in progress shows itself were great. I, I always do the afternoon. I, so it's two o'clock last year, it was half three this year. Nice. And it's a bit more of a nice space to do like newer stuff. You know, you, you're not you're not then part of people's night out, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think people are a bit more in the mindset for it in the afternoon. And it was good. The show got really good. By the end of it, it, it was basically it's basically finished, but with room to grow before tour, which is yeah. exactly where I wanted it to get to. Well, afternoons sounds perfect because. It breaks up the day as well because Edinburgh was really weird. The one time I did it, I had, I did a full month and I was in the evening, and it was so weird because I had kind of you've got to fill every day, yeah. But you you know you want to go and see shows, but also doing a show every night is more exhausting than I expected. I was kind of like I didn't have any days off booked, and, and they're like you should have days off. And being working class, I was like 
I've got every day off, mate. I'm doing an hour a night. Yeah. What do you mean I need days off? But it's weird how the whole experience up there gets exhausting. I, I have to tell myself that it's, it is tiring, you know, yeah. because I think we're of the mindset, if, you, if you're not down a mine or on a building site, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. hard work. It, it is. It, you know, it's t- your, your brain gets tired. Just being around loads of people is tiring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the afternoon's great. So I'd get up, I'd, I'd do a bit of exercise and do a bit of work and then I'd have lunch and I'd do my show. I'd come back to my uh, accommodation and then I could I, I could have the, the evening and I could go and watch stuff or go out for food. And so it's, I, I, I really got in the routine of it. I think that's the key with Edinburgh is to get in a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a routine. I try not to do loads of extra stuff. I don't do loads of extra gigs or loads of extra. So it's easy to agree to that in March May, April, May, yeah. and then when it gets to yeah, you yeah. oh, why have I said yes to that? You see, my my run up there was perfect because half of my stuff I was doing was like poems about suicides. So, so no one's asking me on extra shows. No one wants me to come and do five minutes at their, at their late night yeah. show. Can you come and get the crowd going before I go on at my, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my gig? Yeah. Can you come and make everyone miserable? It's like, I'll come and watch. I'll come and watch and be part of it. So that does sound like a perfect kind of run as well being up there for like a week or so or just over a week because it means you'll get to catch a load of stuff but you won't get to the point where there's nothing to go and see or you've seen everyone or things like that so see what did you catch and how was that as a like outside of the show how was it for a yeah, it's like being a it's like being a tourist you know you kind of you have to prioritize you can't think oh i'll see that show but i've got a month to see it so i know you've got four days to see it so it really you really tune into what you actually want to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah. I saw a good range. I saw, uh, I saw friend. I, I always like to see friend shows and I like to see, I saw Frank Skinner. How was Frank? I've never seen Frank. He's obviously a legend, but I, I mean, my experience of him is more from hosting TV shows and that. And it's like, it's, I don't think of him as this great comedian. I think of him as kind of like a Jonathan Ross almost. like, But it's like, yeah. he's a legend. I know he's a legend, so. Yeah, there's definitely an element of, our oh, you've seen him in the flesh. That was yeah. definitely a thing, you know, this, because, um, yeah, I kind of grew, grew up with him really. And then like seeing him, it was a bit bit of a moment for me because it was his book that got me into stand-up. I was on holiday. I heard with a lot of it. people say that. Yeah, it's so, because he started late. I think he started at 30 and he'd, right. he'd, he'd, he'd you know, messed about a bit before that without really finding what his thing was. And then when he did it, I think it, I think it's that element that makes people think, oh, I'm going to, you know, pull the trigger on doing it. So then to then watch him in the audience, and I've done my show and he's doing his show, I, I felt, like, dead proud, actually. Yeah. But it was, um, yeah, he was wicked. He just takes his time, just so experienced. You know what shocked me? I don't know why I thought, but his audience were old. Right. Obviously, he's, he's you know in his sixties. He's been doing it for thirty years. They probably came to his early shows and have stuck with him. Yeah, you know, and it didn't even occur to me. Like, this, where's all these old people? What they're queuing for? Like, oh, it's obviously <laughs> Frank Skinner. The younger yeah. people there as well, but they're predominantly. Did you think that like, you you reflect your audience? Like, I think my audience have got a look. You could guess what show they were going into. Yeah, I think a, a little bit, and weird. It, it varies from my spoken word shows to my, like, rap shows and that. It'd be yeah. a real... And, and doing club nights. I've done s- a s- a such a variation of things. If someone came up to me and said, I've seen you live, I'd probably have a good guess at if they saw the, the uh, live band stuff, the DJ set stuff, or this or that kind of thing. But yeah. You, but a- again, when we started off, it was kind of the opposite of that because I came from Spoken Word and Dan Lissak, who I gigged a lot with, came from dance. And, like, 
the songs referenced a lot of punk and stuff like that. So our shows would be just this mad mix. You'd have like a 60 or 70 year old in there because they they've heard of, heard the spoken word stuff and then you'll have all yeah. these these y- y- young kids going nuts it's a yeah it's a variation what does your crowd look like describe your crowd to me my mate who opened for me on one of the shows he said he's never seen so many carhartt fleeces in his life <laughs> 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 so it, it's it's kind of it's not dead arty they're not they're not dead arty they're not mm. dead laddie yeah they're probably, they're probably the, the laddiest arty person and the artiest laddie person yeah and it's them that which perfect is, venn diagram she's kind of perfect actually yeah i love that and and do you it, it's interesting to observe that did that make you feel any way like observing that his crowd have been with him for so long because there are people like like R- R- Rob Alton. Every time I go to the Fringe, I oh, see Rob guy, Alton because yeah. I just have Jesus. to see his show. Tim Amazing. Key feels like one of them that people will go year after year after year, regardless of what the, the show is. Josie Long, maybe I'd put in there. Yeah, there's a definitely. few like that. And how did the, that that make you feel knowing that you're kind of on that journey now? You're doing that where. You're gonna if you keep doing this. Hopefully, you're gonna have these people who who will be. Oh, I've come for four years in a row or five years or whatever else. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know if you find. It, I, I just never believe it. I never believe. Even when yeah. I've sold the tickets, I can't believe that people buy tickets. Yeah. And even even once I've sold the tickets, I can't believe they're gonna come. Then I can't believe they've they've, they've come. I can't believe they've enjoyed it. And then then so I'm on to my next tour now, and I can't believe that people will come back and new people will come. Yeah. And I mean that positively. I just can't. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm delighted to do. Yeah. But I never quite. I'd never. I don't know. I don't think you should ever bank on them or ever take it for granted that you've got an audience. I don't think. How How are you when you're starting to work on a new show? Because I always had it with new albums. Every time I finish an album, it'd really feel like a. I don't know where that came from. I can't believe I've got away with that. I've made a good <laughs> album. Like the, that's definitely all my ideas out now. That's definitely everything. And then you've got to start a new one, and it always works out in the end. But every time I'd finish one, I think three. I didn't think I had three albums in me. The fourth <laughs> one's going to be a nightmare. So yeah, how yeah. are you with shows in that respect? That's Have you got to the point where you've got that self belief? I've actually started making a few notes for myself now along the lines of. It does come together in the end. Yes. Just do your process. Just keep... My thing is I write everything down. I don't ever want to say no to an idea my, my brain has given me in case it stops giving them to me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I write, I write uh, the smallest... I write one word down, if it, you know. But um, definitely when I was touring my last year, which was my first tour, I remember being on stage and like I was... Into the last 20 minutes is like one bit and I got into that and thinking, how the hell am I going to do this again? But then, then when you have, it's a great feeling to... Do a great show. One great show or album's amazing. Yeah. But when you do it again, you do think, oh, God, well done. You've done yeah. you, you, That's not easy to do. It's so, it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard yeah. to do. Yeah, it's that idea that everyone has got one book in them, one album in them, one show or whatever. So it is that thing. When you do a couple, you're like, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm proper now. I've not just fluked it. It's strange how I watch, like, sports and stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I used to root for, like, the underdog and stuff, and now I root for, like, like Federer. You know, I used to love Federer just because he kept delivering. I thought, that is so yeah. hard to do what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, Serena Williams as a doc and Serena Williams on it. I thought, that is just... You just respect these people even more. You just take it yeah. for granted that they're always winning or take it for granted that what they've done is good. Yeah. But it's so hard to just keep delivering. It's, it's one of the things, I think, in international f- football, because... General football, it's a slightly different thing because 
yes, it's impossibly hard to remain at the top, but there's money involved. So, yeah. so, so you can sign the best players. And that doesn't always work, but the, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't get me as excited. But when you have a, like that era when Brazil were winning things year after year, generation after generation, it's like, right, yeah. they didn't just fluke have one person who's really good and then he was good for his era and then they went. Yeah. Like, they consistently delivered that. And the thing that, England fans, I don't think, acknowledge enough is we should know as much as anyone how fucking hard it is to oh, to, yeah. to win a World Cup, to win a European Cup, whatever, because we've had years where we've got amazing players, but so many things have to come together at the right time and all at the same time. Yeah. Totally you have to really that, appreciate yeah. how hard it is. But I think we get too quick on the, oh, it was shit, that person's shit, let's yeah. be racist for a bit. Rather than, th- rather than go, yeah. oh, it's really fucking hard for however all those things come together. I think sometimes as England fans, we also forget that everybody else is representing their country and are really proud and passionate and have worked all their lives as well. Yeah. It's our dream. It's, it's also their us. dream. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's and then it's it can go either way. You know, it's just, it's, it's like 1%, isn't it? When it gets to that level, it's like one or two things. It's a yeah. bit of luck. It's, yeah, man, it's, uh, yeah. So I feel dead pleased with myself actually after this Edinburgh to have gone and got it together. You should you should feel like that. Like, oh, you know, you've done a good and it's not finished, but it's it will be. So that's a yeah. nice feeling. I love it. So how long have you been doing comedy? Because from the outside it did feel as if you just kind of exploded on socials out of nowhere and then yeah, are continuing to build on that and build on that. But what's your actual journey, I guess, to comedy? So my my journey, I started when I was so I'm 33 now. I started when I was 24, so it was not nine years ago. And I'd always wanted to do it. I'd always, you know, I, I kind of... When I was like a teenager, we had The Office exploded, Peter Kay exploded. Yeah. I remember seeing Peter Kay live at the top of the tower, Blackpool, video. Yeah. video. My mum had the video. And I, I, I'd never seen anybody... It, he was speaking about my life. I'd never seen that before. And it yeah. just made, made me feel amazing. I, I really want to rewatch that because I remember l- at the time it being the funniest thing ever. And then I know the period where it became a cliche and everyone jokes yeah. about Peter Cage yeah. just remembering things. So I yeah. now don't know where I would s- s- sit with it. But I know that exactly as yeah. you, is like, I laughed so fucking much at that. And it, yeah. again, it seemed to come out of nowhere. It seemed... Yeah. Oh yeah, and then so then then when I was like sixteen, so it was year eleven, uh, would have been year eleven, maybe first year of sixth form college. The Arctic Monkeys' first album came out. Yeah, and they they were talking like in this like colloquial speak yeah. the lyrics. I don't know. And then so I, I always had a feeling like I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I don't know how far you want to go back, really. But in terms of stand up, I signed up to an open mic when I was twenty three and couldn't go through with it. I was too scared, too nervous. Yeah. Never done anything. I never. Doing any performance. 24, I was having a bad day at work. I just signed up for this gig, do the gig, and just loved it. And I was, and I was, I wasn't good, but I was good for somebody on their first gig. Yeah. And then I had a really good start then because I was just so hungry for it and I had a good eye for it and I had quite a good brain for it. And then I had a good start. And then I, I won a couple of competitions. 2016, I won a big competition called English Comedian of the Year where I got to go to Australia. That that was like Coventry City winning the FA Cup. It's yeah. it's not. It was a, I was I was so so much newer than everybody else. Yeah. And and I and I won that. And then I, I gave up my job. And I shouldn't have gave up my job. Really, I wasn't making any money. Like real, it, not making any money at all. Really. Then I do I do my first Edinburgh with a big promoter at the Pleasant, but they didn't I, they didn't back me really, and I wasn't that I wasn't good enough for it. 
I didn't know about the debut thing and all this. And, mm. and I did I did another show the year after and another show the year after. Just all on a credit card, cost me loads of money and like bloody. Oh. Just so couldn't get anyone in, couldn't get any industry in or audience in. But I was getting better. The shows, I was like, by the third one, I was like, people should be coming to this now. This is good. Yeah, it's <laughs> good. I'm ready for them now. Yeah, I should. Oh, this is this is my first show. My third show. I was like, oh, this would be a really good first show now if I did this. Yeah. But but other people wait with another bit of strategy to it. Because I'm just like, I just do it. And I just learn to do it. And then then lockdown came, and without any strategy, I just did a couple of videos on my phone, and then people liked them. And then I just kept doing it. And then when I came back, I remember doing my first open mic in Birmingham after the pandemic. And I was like, what? And it's no, no one's ever usually there. I was like, why is, why is all these people here? And is it because we've just come out of lockdown? I'm like, oh, no, they're here to see you. I was like, what do you mean? And then the guy was like, oh, we love your videos. And then I did the set and the set was good. And then I just kept going, just kept doing it. just kept doing more of the same. They'd just gone from there. But I, I've, had, I've had years in the bank of doing stand-up and getting shows ready. So when... When the eyes were on me and the spotlight was on me a bit, I had I had something. Yeah. I had something, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? Again, that kind of, at the time, you're probably heartbroken that the crowds aren't there in those first two years of Edinburgh. Yeah. I mean, heartbroken and bankbroken. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the reality is when the time was right, like when you were good enough, yeah. that was when they they were there. And it's, it's kind of perfect timing because... Yeah. Me and, and and Polar Bear talk about this a lot. A, a, a Brummy spoken word artist and uh, an author, Polar Bear. Like I talk a lot how I never p- plan on doing any gigs again because I stopped gigging like s- seven years ago. And we discuss how when we would like if if I went back, I'd have to learn again and I wouldn't be good. But when yeah. I was shit, there was no one there. And by the time I was good, there was thousands yeah. of people there and we had these amazing sh- shows. It's yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I went back now, there'd be thousands of people there. But I wouldn't be good, and it's the exact opposite yeah. of what you want. It's like you need that journey. I think you'd be, you'd still be good. You'd still be better than you were, at the, yeah. At the yeah, start. yeah. You, you wouldn't be your you peak. Yeah, but you'd, I think you'd, you'd be better than you think. I think. Yeah, yeah. I th- that's what I like. I like, I like. I think there's like there's like class. Like I'm a big boxing fan, and in boxing yeah. you talk about class, class and levels. Yeah, and you can see somebody like if you saw John Kearns doing a new show, it wouldn't be polished. But you'd see, oh, that's a classy, classy yeah. performer. Yeah, you'd still have out. that. And I'd hope that the audience could could smell that. I love it. So, I mean, I want to know what the process is of your videos. And I swear this isn't a where do you get your crazy ideas from <laughs> um, question. But I'm genuinely, I love stuff like this. And I'm curious as to the process from idea to video going up. Because... Like, I don't know how improvised it is. I don't know how scripted it is. You mentioned earlier you write everything down. I'm a big kind of overthinker. So often, like, I'll, I'll always say how most of my songs, I didn't, like, redraft them. I kind of wrote them and that was it. But the reality is I was probably thinking about it for a good few weeks before I wrote anything. So, yeah, in, so, yeah. so although I just kind of sat down and wrote it, I'd been bouncing it around for ages. And I think some of your characters and ideas, it feels like they must be things and people that you've observed for a long time. So when it does come out, it's quite, it feels well realised. That's how I feel. I feel the most successful ones and the, the best ones that have gone from concept to execution in the quickest time. Yeah. It's like it's occurred to you. And I don't know if the audience can smell that, that oh, you know, that's, that's a guy who's picked up his phone and done it there and then and, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I try not to throw too much format at it or too much 
planning or strategy at it because I, I just I don't want to break the th- I don't want to break that I don't want to break that having the idea and doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been asked to do stuff where like like I never use a green screen or sometimes I've been asked for like you know somebody would give me a bit of money and would do add a bit more production value to it, but I, I, I don't think that's what it. I think I think that might break it. Yeah. So yeah, some just come to me. Some are bits I've tried in stand up. Some some of it is like it, it's pure premise. So it's not it's not really as character led. So someone like Arister Green, he's like he's pure character. He could there's almost no premise with his videos. It's yeah. just he 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 is a the person and he's an actor and he's brilliant and he's whereas mine it's more it's more of a top line stand up premise if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah 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 yeah. Y- yours can have a catchy title, whereas. Hours, kind of, you, 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 you just have to press play. Totally. Do you know what I mean? And, and, yeah, and, and, totally and see it. He can't sum it up in a line. Whereas yours, the one that always comes to mind with me is when you do the um, like guy who runs a coffee shop but who's got a bit of a past kind of thing and things like that. And it's like, yeah. again, I don't know if it's because of the area of Essex I'm from. Instantly, as soon as it starts, I'm like, this is so familiar and so. Yeah. yeah, so if I take that back, probably what that's come from, because that came to me quite quickly, but as you say, you've probably, that's probably come from me scrolling. And we say don't scroll. Yeah. And scrolling's bad for you. But we just consu- it's just a way of consuming things. It's yeah. the same as watching TV or magazine. And I think it's come from watching pe- people like that or people like a veiled threat. Yeah. Like it's very thinly. <laughs> yeah. You get a lot of yeah. these business people and you just think that you're like, you're one crossword away from smashing the coffee cup over someone's head if they're looking yeah, at you wrong. Yeah. Uh, but also, that is that, that, those people. I've actually got a lot of love for them. They're, they're, they're just trying to do some of those people, and yeah. it's like everyone's a shortcut out of the the nine to five sometimes. And it's like you get people do Botox injections, or you know, people just trying to find another way of doing it, aren't they? You know. Yeah. And again, I love the it's the lost in translation moments in 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 those kinds of things because someone who comes from one world into another world won't necessarily have the little bits of etiquette and the little bits that are often pointless the little phrases yeah. that are said to apologize or to overdo things and again i love a character like that kind of not intentionally misses all of that and yeah, and, yeah, and because, is more intimidating yeah. than you than they probably realize because they're not doing the the usual, the customer service trained. <laughs> that's it, yeah. They've come in a different route, haven't they? Yeah. That's exactly it. So in, in their mind, they're being very route. polite, but they're actually yeah. really intimidating. And... It's sound really threatening, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that shit. So how was it when that started to blow up? Because again, having a lot of mates who are comedians, lockdown was fucking panic for a lot of people. It was good for others, because comedy is one of them industries that you get guilt if you take any time off. So... Yeah. false time off was quite good for some people but yeah you kind of had one of those ones where it was really good for you like it, you, you probably did better with lockdown than you would have without if you know what i mean not that the global pandemic's a good thing no you're, <laughs> you're certainly right in, in two ways really so firstly i had to get a job straight away it wasn't even a i was not in a position where i can ride this out My, i was in mm. a position of i've got to start a job within the next two weeks do you yeah. know what i mean? So, so that was off the table for me, which is nice because it wasn't. Oh, what am I going to do? It's you've got to do this thing. So that was. Yeah. I didn't have the inertia of what to do, what to do. So that, that yeah. I think that was good for me. Uh, the, the other thing was when we came out of lockdown, like prior, like before lockdown, the the trend in the fashion was for like issue based stand up. Mm-hmm. But then after when something like that happens and everyone's as a population of had a bad time. I think when you then come out of that and somebody's just doing just doing funny, 
It's not doing it. You're only issue-based, heavy stand-up. If they're just coming on and being a bit silly or finding a shared experience, I think that was a really good time for it. It's like they always yeah. say, like, punk only exists because Hotel California existed. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when it kept, when it kept, when I came out of the lockdown and everybody had a bad time, and I was just coming on and just because before that, when I was doing my shows before that, and nobody was coming to them, they were just funny shows. I was just trying to come on and just be funny. Yeah, and it was it always be like you know yeah it's funny but what's he saying? And then when something really bad happened, it was like oh thank God he's not saying anything. He's just being funny. Yeah, it's a weird balance, isn't it? Because yeah, just being. F- for f- funny, as you say, in certain periods, isn't enough, or isn't isn't marketable. Like being politically funny is marketable, or having yeah. those one-liners that your Tim Vine yeah. or J- yeah. your Jezelnik or or whoever else has. Yeah. Whereas if you're just up there being funny and telling f- funny stories and that kind of, thing, it's like right, how do we market that? How does yeah, that spread? Yeah, totally. And it's it's like, weird. Um, You'd think comedy being funny is the is all is the the main bit you need. It's like no, not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of and also things are so more nuanced now. I think because of things like podcasts and stuff. I think you know before maybe the podcast explosion and all that, it would be like we need to look at this guy on a panel show and immediately know what their angle is. Mm-hmm. They're the loud guy, or they're the they're the political comic. Or, whereas because because it's on for twenty minutes on a but as now, it could be like, oh, we don't need to know what he's about immediately. We can have a bit of nuance and a bit of, it, it can be a, you know, a 4D character. We can take our time to get to know him a bit. I think the industry was so obsessed with that we could market, you know, something's obviously marketable. Mm. Just because something's obviously marketable doesn't mean it's the best thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah um, completely. So I think people are getting a bit more time to show a bit of nuance and I think comedy will be better for that eventually. Today's episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast is brought to you by The Equaliser 3, coming to cinemas on the 30th of August. You see, in anticipation of the third and final chapter of The Equaliser, we're celebrating by channeling our inner Robert McCall, otherwise known as The Equaliser, who's played by true action film great Denzel Washington. And I'm not alone. Um, I brought along one of my favourite podcasters. I've had this guy on the podcast a load. I've talked about him a load. He's a true action film aficionado. Blind Boy from the Blind Boy podcast. All right, Scrobius Pip, are you excited for The Equalizer 3? I am, I am. I, I re-watched the, uh, the first two recently in the build-up and it occurred to me, if you like, there's a thing in TV and there's a thing at the moment of TV daddies. Are you, are you familiar with this? I am not. So, so it's it's particular actors who have a daddy vibe, ah, you know, and and I was watching these, and like multiple recent TV daddies have been in the Equalizer films. So David Harbour's in the first one, the guy mm-hmm. from Stranger Things, and then in the second one, you've got Bill Pullman, you mm-hmm. know, classic TV and film daddy, but Pedro Pascal as well, who's the ultimate. absolutely yeah i want him to buy me a bag of sweets i want him to buy me a bag of sweets he has that daddy energy yeah so so yeah i'm wondering who's going to be the tv daddy that comes out of the equalizer three that's denzel 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 it's got to be denzel not he is very paternal there's there's a like i would like bad news delivered to me by denzel washington (laughs) yeah 100 percent. pip in your recording studio right like if you were the equalizer yeah and like the mafia broke into your studio, what, yeah. how would you defend yourself? I've got a lot of art toys, um, <laughs> and some of these art toys are chunky 
so behind me right now, I'm leaning back. I've got this crucifix made by a guy called Riker that's actually a stormtrooper on a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crucifix is m- made of parts of the Death Star. So that was my first instinct as a weapon. And then I looked along and I realized that, m- that me and Riker, <laughs> uh, we made a 12-inch art toy of me. So clearly, I'd grab the 12-inch toy of me <laughs> and defend myself. You would defend yourself with, with, with an effigy, a smaller effigy of yourself. It'd add to the confusion. That's right. like a weird dream. That's like a dream. That's like the mafia broke in. And what did you do? I beat them with a smaller version of me. Uh, uh, what did you use? How sturdy is an ocarina? <laughs> I'm not very good. I'm not very good at, at, at f- fighting or anything physical. I mean, I would have to distract them with interesting facts. I love it. If the mafia came in, I'd have to... I'd hit him with big ones like um, there's a town in Pennsylvania called Centralia and it's been on fire since 1962. Wow. There you go. I mean, that stumped me instantly. See that pause there? Like, so even if someone's coming at me aggressively, if you say to somebody, yeah, there's a town called uh, Centralia in Pennsylvania and it's been on fire since 1962. I don't care if there's a gun pointed at my head. That person has to go. No, there's not. There's it's, a fire. And it's like, yeah, yeah. A mine shaft went on fire. And now the population of, of Centralia is, is only five people. And it's been on fire since 1962. Like you just, you can't be aggressive when someone hits you with that. I deal with the mafia mindfully. I, I'd use mindfulness on the mafia if I had to. I don't have a lot around me to defend myself with. Mainly I've got books of short stories and some disinfectant wipes. <laughs> I mean, what good are disinfectant wipes against the mafia? Not much. Then. Denzel could use them books. Denzel could th- throw them books about. Actually, he could. He'd be good at throwing books, wouldn't he? Yeah, I reckon so. In 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 the films where he kind of when he's kind of he's in the situation, he's briefly analysing. He'd be looking at your book collection and looking at what's the heaviest physically and philosophically, and deciding which to, to use to his advantage. Uh, what else have I got here? I've got an autism clock. <laughs> What is an autism clock? <laughs> it's a clock for people who are autistic. So, oh, it's beeping there now. It's I have difficulty reading time. I've difficulty reading time on on a clock. So instead yeah. of this clock telling me numbers, it tells me a color. So if right. I've got a job to do and it takes an hour, instead of having a clock that shows me one hour, it shows me an hour's worth of blue. So I have oh, wow. another forty minutes left. I've got you know that amount of blue left. So a slice of blue left. Actually, there you go. Excuse me, Mafia. I've got autism. Yeah. How's that going to look? <laughs> the Mafia will be cancelled in an instance. <laughs> um, so, guys, if you want to experience Denzel in all his glory, taking on the Mafia in the final chapter of The Equalizer, book your tickets now so you can be there for opening night when The Equalizer 3 hits cinemas on the 30th of August. I want to talk about why you feel having to get a job helped because I, if if any listeners haven't heard the Lauren Patterson interview um, on here, amazing story of of why, how, and why it helped her. Because again, it was that I think a lot of comedians, if you're in that limbo bit, as you say, you're trying to f- false ideas and false creativities. But yeah. if you just straight back into the real world, then the moments you have those bits yeah. to be silly in all the more exciting you're jumping into them yeah totally so i um my first job i got a job at um 
Royal Mail, the big sorting depot. Because I live yeah. in the middle, right in the middle of the country, so I worked in like the sorting depot. And that was, I remember the guy bringing a mask round and being like, "Oh, you don't have to wear these, but we've been given these to give it." So it's before it Mate, was that early. I was going to ask how that was because this is. I won't. I guess I'm probably doxing, but a member of my family. <laughs> Yeah, quit their job as a postman during the pandemic yeah. because in their local sorting office, just because of how bad it was, like they weren't, yeah, they weren't protecting anyone or doing. And and, and when one of the guys, I think one of the guys had symptoms and was off, and then when he did a test and he didn't have COVID, he had to take that day as holiday rather than as sick because wow. yeah. it's like what that's really kind of essentially saying to people. Come in regardless, and then anyway, I'm, sh- I'm shitting on the Royal Mail here, but I assume it got a lot better after that. But yeah, yeah. So it was kind of um, so it was, it was at the big sorting depot. So we were in a big warehouse. We were literally going through letters and yeah. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but I don't see well. I can't see right. well, so I couldn't really see the postcodes either. So I had to yeah, find that's the worst job for you to get. <laughs> literally, but I, had to, I found a job in there that I can just move the trolleys. I'll just be the the fit Trolley guy go. that moves yeah. moves the trolleys. That'll be me. Yeah. And then that was agency. So everybody was sending everything by post initially. Remember, everybody was ordering stuff online. Everything was online for a minute. And then when that died off, all the agency staff were off. So I was off again. Uh, then I got a job back in... Um, I've always worked in kind of like... So so I worked for the employment service in Coventry, mm-hmm. where we had like a premises where people would come in. It's basically people that had been out of work and you'd help them with their CVs and you'd help them get on courses. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, a mandated service if you were on you know, universal credit, it was if you want some help and you've been out of work a bit, then come in. Yeah. And man, the people accessing, you don't realise the people that access these services, they've got like, like, oh, send your CV off. They haven't got a CV. They haven't got a smartphone. They haven't got a birth certificate. They've got no way of proving their identity. They're Mm. so far away from being employed. It's unbelievable. Just in terms of economically, they haven't got anything to wear to an interview or they can't get, and it's just... um, People are so unaware of this. My mum... And brother worked their whole lives in 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 libraries, and yeah. people are always dismissive of libraries. But mm-hmm. li- libraries had public computers, and the amount of people who came in who haven't got a computer, haven't got a smartphone, yeah. and as you say, so much of the world has gone over to I'll go on the website yeah. and do this, and that's the only way that you can get this benefit or this apply f- for this job. It's go on the website. It's like yeah. you need those places that people can yeah. come in and use that because. We have this great privilege of going, well, you just go on your phone, then It's like, no, you go on your phone. Yes, I don't remember when Corbyn was on about bringing in the um, free broadband. Everyone saw it was like a big luxury, like, vote winner. But it's not for us, it's for them, it's for them yeah, people. Yeah, So then add on top of that, some people are new to the UK or English yeah. isn't the first language. Yeah. They're, it's, they're so up against it. So it just gave me a big perspective, but I really enjoyed it. And then, so when gigs come back, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this job for as long as I can. It's the first time I've had steady money coming in for a bit. And it means I don't have to do rubbish gigs. I can do gigs that are creatively fulfilling and I can, I can still earn a living. And I, so I did that for as long as I could until I had my, my little boy. And then it got to the point where I could do stand up and still be at home with my, my son then. So I, I, then I stopped working. But yeah, it was, you know, I really enjoyed both of those jobs. I really did. Is, is stand up the perfect job to have as a parent because you've got your daytimes free and then when yeah. they go to bed you go out and, and do your job that feels like i've never thought about it but that feels like a perfect a balance right yeah it, it, it can be it can be i think it might just change over when he goes to school so he's right. only like he's only like 20 months at the minute yeah yeah of course when he's at course. school and, and i'm at you know 
as stand-up goes better, you get busier. You have right yeah, you're on the road a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have kind of other. You've got to do Q and A's or you know write this treatment up or something. So you, it, it is busy. But yeah, it's a lovely job to have. It's a lovely job to have if you manage it right. I'm, so you know we're talking about my thing is I need to learn to have a day off. But yeah. if I want a day off, if I want to have a day off in the future, I've got to say no now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. That's, I've never worked like this, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm big on that. I had to have a conscious thing of, because of where podcasts then became, everyone's got a podcast. For a long while, I was like, man, if someone's asking me on, of course I'm going to say yes. How nice of them to ask. Yeah, But yeah. then you do realise it's like, right, well, that's, you know, again, in your head, having worked in factories and all sorts of other things, you're like, you're just going on a podcast, but that is going to take up a chunk of your day and that is going to stop that being yeah. a day off or a day of actual downtime or or things like that. Yeah, it's, it's the actual downtime thing, isn't it? You know, it could be like, yeah. oh, I've only got one thing to do today, but it's not that. It's it's having an empty diary. That's what you want sometimes. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. Well, I want to ask you how you handle, because I'd imagine you get a lot of people asking for advice on videos and stuff like that. And it's really interesting because I'd, I'd talked to, to Gus Khan about this loads back in the day because yeah. Gus was one that blew up with a few videos on, on on Facebook, I think it was, in the day. Yeah. And again, it's like his style of videos, and I'd say your style of videos as well, you can't really give other people advice because you've just got to w- w- want to do it yeah. and have the idea, right? I don't think you've, from, from what you've said, I don't think you necessarily have a, here's the start bit, here's how I do the middle, and here's how this ends, and then I upload yeah. at this time and do this and that. Or is there yeah, more of that considered? I think when people ask that, they don't actually want to know how to do the video. They want to know how to go viral. How to get know people how to, to see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. How to get people to see it, which I don't really know about. I don't really know about that stuff. Yeah. I could, I could help with the... The, the video is just a, a piece, isn't it? It's You want to make it clear, you want to make it... You want, it wants to escalate to some yeah. degree, and you want to be... But in terms of when you post it, I don't know, and that's... Yeah. I don't actually really, I don't really care about that stuff or really helping people yeah. with that. Yeah. You, you, if you come to me and say, I want to make this a good video, I'd be like, oh, I'll help you. Yeah. But if you come to me and say, I want to go far, I'm like, well, that's not, you, you, you come at it the wrong way around. You should want to do a video, come and want to do a good video and then the rest will yeah. take care of itself to a large degree. Are you, again, another out of the blue question, are you a Limmy fan? Yeah, I'm not. I, obviously, I love Limmy, but I've, I've never read his book, so I've not. Yeah. I've not really dug deep into his stuff. I just like him on on Twitter, and I've watched his BBC thing he did, which I really like. Oh, that's it. His BBC thing comes to mind for you and for Al Green because it feels like you're both people who production companies will want to do something with, but they'll. Like I spoke to Al Green about this, and he was saying part of the process is that we're filming it on our phones and that we're doing, you know, yeah. it's got that rawness, it's got this, it's got that. If you polish it, it won't work. And that's what I thought was amazing about Limmy's show. And then when he did his homemade show on the BBC, yeah. it was that he found someone who had the faith to go, y- you go and make it kind of thing. You're, or yeah. we'll, we'll, do, we'll do your idea rather than try and polish it or do, a, can you do a sitcom or... If it's a sketch show, it has to be big production and all that. All Limmy stuff feels like it's stuff that would have been a viral YouTube thing or a viral Instagram video or or whatever. And then yeah, yeah, I suppose that's where I'm really lucky that I've got stand up. I've yeah. got something to sell essentially. You know, if you if you enjoyed the videos, you can come and yeah. see me do yeah, live. Of course, yeah. But it's going to be stand up, so people know what they're getting. I think. Yeah. Like I think Al, Al Green's live shows, I think he shows his videos and chats a bit. Yeah. Whereas with mine, you know it's a stand-up show. Yeah. I don't know if they expect me to be good at it or what, or if, yeah. I don't think if, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they know 
like I've done stand up for so long. Yeah. So when they come, when they come and you can do it, it's it's great. You feel like. What do you know, Troy Hawk, the that guy. I don't know. Troy so Troy Hawk, he does, he does this thing called the, the Greeters Guild, where he's it's like a character act. He welcomes people. And yes, I've seen like, him. Yeah, it's like reverse roasting. It's like nice roasting. Yeah. yeah, but he's an awesome comedian who's been like a circuit headliner for years. And I see him do these tours, and people go off the back of these videos. And I just think he's gonna he's gonna absolutely blow your mind when you see him because he's yeah. amazing. I love that. Again, it's it's. What pe- a lot of people do, or a lot of people, as you say, w- 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 want to find out how to go viral, and you can go as viral as you want, but if you've not got the goods to then make that pay off, then it's pointless. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. w- w- when me and again, like when I started doing music, and me and Dan Lassac bl- 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 blew up off one single, we gigged our asses off because we were like, if we've got one song that that they know, we need to make sure that when they come and see us. They're into all of it, and then we, totally. we we take this audience with us throughout our career, rather than they're all waiting for that one song and everything else. Yeah. Or, or we're doing club PAs and we're only doing that that one song. It's like we don't want to do any of that. We want to go. I'm glad you like that song. Here's a load of other stuff that's as yeah, good totally. or better or whatever else, and that feels like it's it with your your videos have caught everyone's attention. They're like, well, actually, I've been working yeah. on this for years. <laughs> well, that's it. And I, I, you know, I, I love it as well. That's the thing. I love yeah. stand-up. I love doing it. And that, that's why you keep doing it. You want, you want, you want to do it. And I, I wouldn't have done it when no one was watching if I didn't love it. And, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah. the first thing is to love it and it is, it's to really be into it. And somebody, somebody said to me about Instagram that they've, um, they're doing these videos and their words were, they've worked out the algorithm. I was like, what, what an awful place to create art from that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not what you want. And I get it, I get it. Like, I've, I know people who m- make their, their living off of Instagram and have to be aware of the algorithm and all that kind of thing. But any time yeah. I've tried to get my head around, it's like, no, I just want to post if I want to post and yeah. do what I want to, and not think about the whole aesthetic of my page and all these different things, which, again, I understand it if that's what your job is and that's your industry, but... Exactly the same as you. I've contemplated it for about thirty s- 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 seconds and then gone. Nah, I don't want that to yeah. be a part of what I create or what I put out into the world. Well, there's probably a, you know it's just like anything. Isn't it? It's just because it's an online space. If you, the, I can't speak for you, but if, you, if imagine if you were running a restaurant, you wouldn't present that restaurant in a, a way a conventional way presenting the restaurant or really yeah, yeah sparkling. Yeah. You, you'd probably try and get the food really good. Yeah. You'd make it a comfortable place to to come, yeah, and you'd yeah. go from there. Everyone's just trying to, everyone's doing different things, aren't they? I suppose that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, speaking of doing different things, for some reason, I've noted down. I want to talk to you about jobs that you've had, and I think I think I must have heard you on an, another podcast m- mention a particular job. But I love talking to people about re- real world jobs. I've had I've had a fuckload of real world jobs. Yeah. And again, anytime you go on a podcast, all they want to talk about is like how did you get into music or comedy or how did you do this and that? Yeah, yeah. What real world jobs have you had and what stands out as some of the the favorites or the weirdest or the worst? So I've I've not had loads of jobs and the, the reason being is one of my first jobs was quite a good job. I got a job for the council for social services. Yeah. And and I don't know the, the kind of where I'm from and stuff. If you get a job for the council, that's like, oh my god, you're, this is you saved for issue for retirement. Yeah. So my first, my first job actually, I got a job with my in a, in a stock room 
for like a pharmaceutical company, just moving boxes and logging things as they came in. Yeah, I did a bit of football coaching when I was at college and stuff. I quite enjoyed that. How was that? Was that something you hoped would be a a career yeah. thing, or was it? Yeah, yeah? I really put, really put a lot into it. So I used to volunteer. I used to have a um, used to do a junior team, and those lads have all grown up now, and I've gone stag do's with them. They're, they're all lovely people. Yeah. So I had them from the, when they were like, and this was all voluntary. I did the, the the junior team. I did it from when they were six till when they were like maybe eleven. Yeah. And I was like early twenties then. So when my mates were going out drinking and all this, I was kind of getting up and doing that. I mean, I still went drinking as well. But I still got up and did yeah. that. And <laughs> yeah. Got loads out of it. I, yeah, love that. Love that. So I do. I do that where I live in my little town, and then in the summer holidays, I do it in a, a place called Gleb Farm and. Uh, Birmingham, which was quite it's quite inner city, and that was like mm. a different that was a different experience altogether. That that was the first time I'd seen you know what I'm talking about there with my other job, people coming in. And, yeah, sorry the dogs. Um, <sighs> but the first time I'd seen like kids coming in with no like lunches or yeah, you know they're, they're coming in the same kit five days and all. It's the first time I'd really seen that really. And then um, so I got a job at social services and commentary, which was helping people that come out of hospital. Basically, part of social services, really. That that was yeah. good. And that that probably really helped me for stand-up. I did that for six years. I was going to say, loads of stuff that the key part is working with people and, and communicating and interacting, right? Yeah, and you're going into families at a really chaotic and stressful time and making a, a positive first impression. That's, that's pretty... I was probably doing that four times a day, every day for six years. Yeah. I mean, when people... They asked me about how I got into stand-up. I've ever done performance. My my mum's a post lady. Couldn't pick a more sociable job. My dad's a scaffolder. He's like with people all day. Yeah. So they although they haven't worked in the arts or anything like that. They've they've been developing the the skills. Yeah. That you yeah. need for stand-up. Do you know what I mean? Interacting story. Like again, I'm referencing Polar Bear again. He used to always speak about because we were both uncomfortable in the spoken word scene initially when people would call what we do poetry because it felt yeah. too pretentious. And he was like, yeah. his thing was, I'm just telling stories. My nan used to tell stories around the, the dinner table and that that's all we're doing here. It's 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 oral history. It's passing on stories and, yeah. and, and, and things like that. And again, gr- gr- growing up in families like that does equip you for this kind of thing because... Yeah, totally. everyone is is used to interacting and engaging and hearing stories and relaying stories. Yeah, totally. And I suppose when I'm talking about that that job at social services, where you're going into people all backgrounds, you don't know them, they don't me know me. You're going in and you're establishing your character. You're giving you're giving information in a compassionate way, but is also clear. Mm. And that that's all standard pitch. You, you get you go on, you establish who you are, and you you give. The, yeah. Enough information for the punchline to yeah. make sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably that, that it all it, it all feeds into to where you are now, doesn't it? All that stuff. Yeah. And I've probably seen I've seen how so many people live day to day as well. Like yeah. how, how many how many people get to go into you know I walk around Coventry or whatever. Like I've been in so many of these houses and I've and I've seen how all these people live their day to day. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Because then you tie yeah. that in. Although you, you're in the sorting office. I won't. I always remember my family member who was who was a, a, a post person just saying how weird it was that all these houses you've walked past for years, going that bit closer, being at the door and seeing in windows or seeing doors open, it changes yeah. everything completely. It's like I've walked past this block of flats a million times, but now I feel like I know that that block of flats in a different way. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially like a flat or something, because you've seen one. Once you've yeah. been in one, it's, yeah. it's, that's just that replicated. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. All the same. I love it. Well, I'm I'm going to start to wrap things up because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I've got one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and genuinely, if any, <laughs> if it's weird or uncomfortable, then we can move on. But you posted the other day about not being the biggest fan of photo shoots. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I'm similar. I've got kind of, yeah. I've got a bit of a selfie phobia. I'm not a fan of, it sounds weird, but if if there's a mirror when I'm not expecting a mirror, like I don't like yeah. to unexpectedly see myself. I need to brace myself a bit. Yeah, but because yeah. of that, like I get a buzz if I have a photo shoot that I enjoy. Like I'll repost this photo shoot for years on end because it's like, yeah. no, I'm happy with that. And again, it's, I, I realise it maybe presents as arrogant because I'm like oh look at this great photo of me over and over again but but the reality is is oh there was 200 they took that I can't yeah. even bear to look at but this one <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like so everyone look yeah. at this so, so, so yeah I just thought when you mentioned that and you posted some great photos that looked amazing I thought oh I wonder what your relationship is with that kind of thing yeah it's kind of it's kind of changed over the years, really. And a lot of mine, to be honest, is to do with my... Um, so I'm, I've got a visual impairment. I've had it since I was a kid, and it mm. affects how my eyes look. So my eyes will move. Or my eyes... You know, I can't see where the lens of the camera is. So I always would be very self-conscious when I started going out, and people would take pictures and put it on Facebook. And it, 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 you know, I'd, just, I'd just look. I'd look, I'd look blind. I'd, I'd look... Yeah. I'd look, you know, I'd look, I'd look really visually impaired and I wasn't comfortable with it at that point. And that kind of gone into photo shoots and all this stuff. And I'd always hate pictures. I'd never know where the camera is. I'd never, I'd never know where to look. And as I got older, and then even to the point where I never wanted to be on TV, but I don't want yeah. to be on TV. I, I've never seen anybody on TV with eyes who look like mine before. And I don't, I don't want that. And as I've got older, I'm like, oh, fuck it, man. It's what, what can I do? I can't do anything about it. And actually, if, if a if picture goes on and my eyes look a bit fucked or whatever, then I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy for people to, to see it as well. I'm all actually, sorry, yeah. the dog is, Hank, stop it. The, um, <laughs> sorry, I've got a dog, he just wants some attention. Um, so yeah, I've been on a bit of a journey with it, but in terms of a photo shoot, that, that's as simple as I've not done many photo shoots and yeah. I don't know what to do with my arms. And yeah. it's yeah. not why I got into stand-up and it's a necessary evil. But in terms of photos, yeah, I've always been a bit weird about photos. Was but I'd say the last five years, yeah, I'm, I'm much better. And actually, I really want it. That's what I look like, and I want to capture. What? Why should I not capture the things I've done in my life? Or do you think the the blowing up on 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 Instagram videos and that helped then? Because again, that's you're having to present yourself to mm. thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who don't know you. So you just have to come to terms with, with that discomfort, I guess. Yeah, totally. And it comes. That all comes from really wanting to be good at comedy and successful at comedy yeah. is that's just a little another little barrier to, to get past. So I'm not going to let that stop me getting further on, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, I, t- I totally get it. I t- totally get where you come in. So when you get a good photo, that's your, that's your photo, man. Yeah. I've got ones that are from fucking eight years ago and I'll, I'll, <laughs> if, I'm, if I need to put something on something promo-wise, it'll be that. And it's like, yeah, I've had, uh, again, I'll note like some, one random personal comment Cool, you fucking love that photo, don't you? And it'd be like, fuck, <laughs> fuck, yeah, I do, yeah. fuck. Right, I feel like an idiot now, but it's like, nope, I'm going back to it, I'll forget that. <laughs> it's a photo right, um, I'm happy with, so I'll take I'm, it. I'm quite at a healthy point now where I don't, you know, I, I don't read a comment. It'd take a lot for a comment to really yeah. hurt me now. Yeah, I just don't even read. Just don't. The, the, the option is 
not don't read it, innit? Yeah, exactly. Ignore it and, and move on. Well, yeah. I'm gonna. L- let you move on and I'm going to let Hank get the attention he deserves. <laughs> is there anything you want to sh- share with people b- before we go? This work in progress is obviously a work in progress towards a full tour, right? Yeah, so, so I'll be going on tour next year and people can sign up to the mailing list and then my last show is available for free on YouTube, uh, Josh Pure Live from Birmingham Town Hall. Yeah. And that's uh, that's been on about two weeks and it's people enjoying it. So yeah, it's, yeah I've, I've, I've watched that, I'd say. Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we can make this happen. As I said, I've been enjoying oh, you on socials for, for ages. I'm now excited to catch you actually in the flesh at some point. Perfect. Because as you say, it's mad what can do that, isn't it? Like, there's so many comedians. Like, I, I go to the Fringe and I feel... I, I try and go every year. Every year I feel overwhelmed because there's so many comedians I know and want to see, but then I also have that yeah. thing of, well, I've seen, as I said, Rob or Tim... Five years in a row. Who who haven't I seen? Who should I be yeah. seeing? Yeah, I don't want to miss the ones I know are good. And then, yeah, yeah. But what? That's a great position, and that's a great thing. That's 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 that's, a, that's all good stuff. Anyway, mate. Think, oh God, why beautiful, is it? Just isn't it? To watch a it's a beautiful yeah, it's problem great. to have. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you for taking the time, mate. It's been an absolute a pleasure. I'm going to press stop, and then we'll uh, awesome. yeah, we'll wrap things up off, Mike. Amazing, mate. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Josh Pugh. And a little a little interruption from, from Blind Boy in the Middle there as well. Hope you enjoyed that chat. I thoroughly enjoyed ch- chatting to Josh. If you're not already f- following him on Instagram, you've got problems, man. If, if this is the first episode you've caught, we mentioned Alistair Green. You can check his episode of Distraction Pieces out. I'm pretty sure everyone we mentioned I've had on distraction pieces at some point. So, um, yeah, thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another one. Oh, next week's episode is so good as well. Ah, oh, these are wonderful times. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.